Okay, good morning everyone and uh, welcome to the class on Halloween. Uh, we're happy to have you here and I will start off by simply saying uh, the uh, typical disclaimer was that uh, this uh, class is not a salvation issue. Uh, so we're not here to uh, have a very dogmatic approach to what Halloween is or isn't, but uh, you know, hopefully we can walk away with something that you can... Uh, uh, take home and think about a little bit. So, let's get started. Alright, so the question I think we want to ask ourselves is, where did Halloween come from? In order to understand what Halloween is or isn't, you know, we need to look at its origins. A lot of times we uh, you know, don't understand things because we don't know how it began. And so, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about where Halloween came from. Halloween, Halloween was originally known as All Hallows' Even, the day, the eve of All Hallows' Day. So then the logical question would be, then, what's All Hallows' Day? Well, All Hallows' Day, we'll get into some history here, was on May 13th, 609 A.D., uh, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome creating All Martyrs Day, a day for remembering Christian martyrs. Then later on, Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints and martyrs uh, and then moved the day to November 1st. Now that's an important part right there. Um, when we talk about May 13th, that was the original feast day. So the question is, is then... Why did they move it to November 1st? Something we should be thinking about. Well, All Saints Day, as it's known, All Saints Day is also called All Hallows, or Hallowmas. When Hallowmas is literally translated as Holy Mass for the Saints. So the eve of All Hallows Day became known as Halloween, which later became known as Halloween. So now you have a little bit of history about how Halloween actually came into existence itself. Pope Gregory I here again, this is before the uh, Pope Gregory III, uh, issued, first issued an edict to his missionaries that rather than try to obliterate a native people's customs and belief, they were to consecrate it to Christ and allow its continued worship. So, kind of a, and here again, this is an interesting thing from the Catholic Church because as time went on, it was very um, intuitive and very innovative as a way of culturizing or culturalizing uh, native peoples without conquering them. So, it was the Catholic Church's belief that they could change the pagan religions by infiltrating rather than conquering. Now, by moving All Saints Day from May 13th to November 1st, it is widely believed that the Catholic Church was trying to replace a pagan Celtic festival of the dead with a church-sanctioned holiday. 
So here again, that was the reasoning. You know, you take the time, the, the uh, date that was earlier on was for a festival, and now we can kind of, it's our remembering the dead, and there's a festival going on with the pagan religion that we've been inf- infiltrating into the uh, northern uh, part of, the, of uh, Europe, and now how can we get them to believe what we're believing? And so this was a way of doing it, by moving the actual holiday. The Celtic festival was known as what what many people would say. Well, it looks like it's pronounced Sam Samhain, but it's actually pronounced Soen. So it's the uh, uh, more of a Gaelic or Celtic uh, type of uh, of, of, a, of a word. So celebrating the end of summer and the beginning of a new year on November 1st. That was the whole point of Soen, was to a festival by the Celts for the end of the year because they believed that November 1st was the beginning of the new year. The other thing we want to talk about a little bit as far as history goes is that the Roman Empire, as the conquering force, they brought their own types of uh, festivals with them as well. So the conquering Roman Empire also brought festivals to the Celtic lands as early as 43 AD, which also intermingled with Soen. Ferilia, a festival in late October, remembering the passing of the dead. And Pomona, a festival of the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, the symbol of Pomona is the apple, and is likely where bobbing for apples had its beginning. Not going too fast for everyone here? Yeah, what's the word say? There you go. All right. So the Celts, they believe that on the night of October 31st, All Hallows Eve, the boundaries between the living and the dead became blurred and ghosts returned to the earth to damage, uh, cause trouble and damage crops. So that was the thinly veiled time when spirits could come back to earth. Now, when you get into the... Uh, uh, beliefs of some of these uh, pagan religions are very superstitious. So, they would do things to keep the spirits away from them, basically, the ghost away. So, the Celtic priests, the Druids, and oftentimes we've heard of Druids and never quite knew what Druids were, but Druids are the actual Celtic priest of their religion, and uh, they basically were sun god uh, worshippers. So, they believe this to be the best time to make predictions about the future. So they also like to do the uh, divination as well. So the Druids would build huge bonfires, uh, burning crops and animals as sacrifices uh, to the Celtic gods. Now, there's some reference, but not very well verified, that there could have even been human sacrifices. But that's pretty iffy. I mean, that's uh, nothing came across in the research that I did and on this subject that really said, oh, this is what they were doing all the time. So, but could have it been? Uh, I guess it's possible. 
So the Celts would dress up in animal heads and skins and attempt to tell each other's fortunes. It was also felt that such costumes could hide them from the ghost or scare them away. So, you know, that was part of the whole idea of the costumes at that point as well, as to keep the ghost away, scare them away, to blend in with the ghost so that they weren't as noticeable and that uh, uh, the ghost would leave them alone until the new year began and they'd go away. So, uh, once again, part of their, uh, their beliefs. So other Halloween traditions have both pagan and uh, Christian practices. And of course, we've all come across some of these things. Trick or treat, for instance, uh, may have originated from a custom called souling. And that was when a poor, the poor of a village would go door to door begging for soul cakes in exchange for praying for the families of the dead, uh, of their dead relatives. Now this, once again, was a type of Catholic um, practice, custom, because uh, why? Because the Catholics believe that when, they're, when you die, you go to purgatory. And as you're in purgatory, you're working through your problems, I guess, so for what I know about purgatory. Uh, there's other people that grew up in the Catholic religion probably know a lot more about it than I do. But... Uh, uh, and so if they could have people praying for their uh, dead relatives, that help them get them out of purgatory quicker. Costumes, they were originally intended to conceal people from the spirits and over time have evolved into guises uh, to change a person's identity. And, and that's... You know, we could take that all the way back to the practices of sowing if we wanted to and say, well, we're trying to you know, keep ourselves away from the spirits and, and uh, uh, hide from the spirits. But, you know, and, and now, you know, with the costumes and things that we have now, it's pretty hard to think that, you know, if, if someone, some little kid's dressing up like a butterfly, that they're uh, probably hiding themselves from the spirits or, uh, or, or anything else. So I think it's... Uh, uh, what you're trying to do with the costume you're wearing. As Halloween continued over the years, dressing up in costumes has also unfortunately allowed people to be destructive without being revealed. And that was an issue that uh, as Halloween came into the United States, um, and we'll see a video clip a little later that makes a brief discussion about that, but um, the young mostly men, would uh, go door to door, tear things up, destroy things, being very destructive, and they could hide behind their their costumes on that day and not get caught. And yet it became a big problem, uh, so much so that in the United States there was a time when uh, Halloween and trick-or-treating were pretty much stopped, uh, and then they were reinstituted. Carving pumpkins. Yeah, we've all probably done that from time to time. Um, it was a tradition brought to the U.S. during the early 1800s with the immigration of the Irish to America during the Great Potato Famine. But why do they carve pumpkins, I guess could be the question we could ask. I mean, what's the point? 
There you go. The Celts had originally carved turnips. And so they found that uh, with faces to scare away spirits during the festival of sowing. But a lot easier to carve a pumpkin than a turnip. Turnips aren't that big, you know. It's a <laughs> so when they came to the States, they found the pumpkins, carving, started carving pumpkins. So what do we really know? I guess would be the question that we could ask about Halloween. Well, the name of Halloween is actually a tribute to a Catholic holiday of remembering the dead. So our perspective, our question we could at least ask ourselves would be then, are Christians to spend time remembering the dead? I mean, that's something we talked a little bit about even with uh, 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 the whole idea of tattooing. Uh, when we had the tattoo class earlier in the semester, so to speak, we talked about, uh, uh, you know, it's okay to remember our lost relatives and to think about them and everything else, but when we're uh, worshiping them or when we're uh, putting ink on ourselves and leaving images of someone that's a constant reminder, then God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to think about Him and not you know, to worship anything else but God. And that's where, that's where some of these um, pagan religions would go astray. They were worshiping their past ancestors and, uh, and not worshiping God. Soen was a time of worshiping a pagan god and divining the future. So once again, the question would be, are we to worship other gods or seek to know the future? Well, I think you know we can look into Scripture, and that's you know pretty pretty obvious that that's something we're not to do as Christians. So let's look at uh, Halloween Garner's opinions uh, from both ends of the spectrum, and uh, we as Christians need to be need to consider what we can live with and what the Scriptures have to say. So. Scriptures can be used to both legitimize and vilify, but below are some verses to contemplate you know, what Halloween uh, may mean, or we can at least think about uh, you know, different perspectives of Halloween. Well, some of the verses, if we're going to go uh, here, Ephesians 5, 11, and 12, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to speak of things that they do in secret. So this could be a verse used very much against Halloween uh, because it does seem to be a darker holiday. Uh, but you know, that's that's a, it's a verse that you could use against Halloween, I suppose. Deuteronomy eighteen nineteen through fourteen. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you should not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interrupts om- interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. There again, you know, that's pretty straightforward too from the Old Testament standpoint and yet uh, 
that was a pretty big thing for the uh, Celt, fe- Celt festival of Halloween. Well, with Halloween. Now we can go into uh, uh, verses that might be a little more uh, lenient, so to speak. Uh, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it, if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So, a verse here that you know we could use, or someone could say, well, this is what I think of. You know, I could use this to justify Halloween to some, to some degree. And lastly, um, I might have someone uh, go ahead and, and read uh, the, this verse. I, I put up the first part of it, but uh, uh, if someone has a verse, this uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 30, and would like to read that out loud, uh, uh, go ahead. Once again, there's a, a liberality with uh, you know scripture that would say, well, we can do things like this if if, if we want. Uh, if we want to celebrate things like like Halloween. Well, we've, we're going to do a couple things right now. Um, obviously, we've waited to the end to discuss some of the questions, but we're also going to uh, show a couple of video clips. And then we'll come back to the questions and um, uh, discuss them. And then if we have other questions, we can get a little uh, a discussion going here on, what, uh, on what's going on. So the first one is kind of a secular perspective from National Geographic. Let's go ahead, Kyle. From communion with the dead to pumpkins and pranks, Halloween is a patchwork holiday. Sticks together with cultural, religious, and occult traditions that span centuries. It all began with the Celts, a people whose culture had spread across Europe more than 2,000 years ago. October 31st is the day they celebrated the end of the harvest season in a festival called Sowen. That night also marked the Celtic New Year and was considered a time between years. A magical time when the ghost of the dead walks the earth. It was the time when the veil between death and life was supposed to be at its thinnest. On Samhain, the villagers gathered and lit huge bonfires to drive the dead back to the spirit world and keep them away from the living. But as the Catholic Church's influence grew in Europe, it frowned on the pagan rituals like Samhain. In the 7th century, the Vatican began to merge it with a church-sanctioned holiday. So November 1st was designated All Saints Day to honor martyrs and the deceased faithful. 
both of these holidays had to do with the afterlife and about survival after death. It, it was a calculated move on the part of the church to bring more people into the fold. All Saints Day was known then as Hallowmas. Hallow means holy or saintly. So the translation is roughly Mass of the Saints. The night before, October 31st, was All Hallow's Eve, which gradually morphed into Halloween. The holiday came to America with the wave of Irish immigrants during the potato famine of the 1840s. They brought several of their holiday customs with them, including bobbing for apples and playing tricks on neighbors, like removing gates from the front of houses. The young pranksters wore masks so they wouldn't be recognized. But over the years, the tradition of harmless tricks grew into outright vandalism. Back in the 1930s, it really became a dangerous holiday. I mean, there was um, such uh, hooliganism and vandalism. Trick-or-treating was originally an extortion deal. Give us candy or we'll uh, trash your house. Storekeepers and neighbors began getting treats or bribes to stop the tricks, and children were encouraged to travel door-to-door -door for treats as an alternative to troublemaking. By the late 30s, trick-or-treat became the holiday greeting. Alright, that kind of was just one of the uh, videos that gives you a little better perspective of what we've been talking about. Uh, some of you, or most of you, probably know of the uh, kind of modern-day theologian John Piper. And so I thought, well, you know, it would probably be a good, uh, the good things to hear the perspective of what someone who's well thought of in the Christian community would have to say about uh, Halloween. So, once again, we have a little short video clip, a clip from uh, John Piper. Let's uh, hear what he has to say. Um, it's kind of one of those questions of are you uh, Christ against culture, Christ in culture, Christ over culture? <laughs> and uh, I would guess that at our church there would be people from one end of perspective to the other. That is, we don't want anything to do with that demonic holiday, and why would you even be involved with that at all? To the others who have their children dress up like a butterfly and go knocking on doors and say trick or treat. Um, um, and then in the middle, you'd have people who do counter events, you know, have a thing at the church where you dress up like biblical characters and have a great time. And, and I, I'm, I'm totally okay with, uh, with the middle one and the first one and, and sort of okay with the second. I mean, the, yeah. Um, I, I grew up trick or treating. It was, This can be 
uh, valuable to the kids in some way to teach them if it can be uh, an innocent way of enjoying uh, God's grace and teaching lessons so be I'm, I'm willing to run the risk of attachment to worldliness in order to be biblically faithful in in witness. Same thing with Christmas, <coughs> same thing with birthdays, same thing with Easter, same thing with worship on Sunday. Uh, all these things have pagan connections and so um, I want to be I want to be loose and broad and, and give freedom to the believers to find their way to be most most effective. So I respect those who are renouncing it as too connected with evil, and I respect those who say, no, let's redeem it and, and penetrate it. And it. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, this brief presentation has uh, given you at least some perspectives about where Halloween came from and um, um, what you can do with it. From my perspective, I suppose, I am pretty much of a centrist, I suppose. I, I can see either way, well, especially after researching things. I can see where people could really come up with the idea that Halloween is very much uh, an occult worship, uh, but yet, I, I still believe that if you're not out there doing the things that they would have been doing, let's say the sewing festival, then is it really something that pertains to the holiday that you could make it? Uh, so, I think now would be a good time. Uh, let's go through some of the, uh, the questions that uh, we went through earlier, and let's see if we can discuss some of those. So, the first question that we, uh, we talked about is... Uh, where do you believe that Halloween came from? Well, that's probably kind of answered to some degree, but let's hear some thoughts on it. What do you, what do you people think? We said it was rooted in a cult Jewish practices. There you go. And they have a lot of Catholic roots, Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Catholic Catholic kind of absorbed it, so to speak, with the, uh, with the Celtic uh, festival. They did that with Christmas, too. Did yeah. that with Christmas, Yule. Yeah. The Yule festival, absolutely. Well, that, that's what I always thought it was. It was kind of a compromise between the church and, and the world. Um, you know, to, uh, you know, to continue to celebrate that. And I guess that was kind of pretty much spelled out. Yeah. But that's, and now I have more information on that, but that's what we always understood. It was just a compromise. You know, here's something, you know, so make it a little bit less uh, dark and evil so that, you know, we can still celebrate it. Yeah. Very similar with the with Easter and the Easter Bunny coming in. Absolutely. Thing. Absolutely. So, just like John Piper said, most of our holidays were influenced in, in some degree by pagans, which probably, we could probably go back to every holiday in the Catholic Church uh, and probably make a correlation, a similar correlation that we're making with Halloween. Uh, just similar to what they were doing in the time of Hosea. I mean, we're reading Hosea, and that's kind of the same thing they were doing, was bringing in some of the practices from others around them, and then it 
Which is, you know, a pretty clever way to to get into a culture without just being the conquerors and just beating a person down, beating a culture down to the point where you know you will do it our way. Oftentimes, almost always, never works, and people will rebel against that. But if you come and say, "Oh, we we understand you have a festival, and oh, we'd like to have our festival at the same time," and and here's what we do, and things start to blend, and then. Uh, you know, if it's done correctly, and I think that was the whole uh, point of the Catholic Church was to try to get the pagans to believe into Catholicism, and uh, it changed over time. Yes, Mick. It requires a lot of Christians to do that mm-hmm. because your children, your neighbors, everybody around you doesn't know what you're thinking unless you. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can't, sure. You can't just join in no. to the party. No, you can't. <laughs> you, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's how the uh, uh, the All Saints Day came into the. Uh, it was a day of obligation. I think is the is the word that the Catholic Church would would use. It was an obligation uh, to uh, go to church on that day. It was. Uh, a, a day that that was you couldn't just skip on uh, All Saints Day, so it was a uh, uh, pretty important holiday actually for the Catholic Church, and so yeah, I think that had a lot to do with things. Yes, Mark. Um, I think, I mean, growing up overseas, we in, in Africa we we saw this called the blending of paganism with church, and the, and the ramifications of that um, firsthand. It, it, it's a word that we refer to as syncretism, and so it 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 it, it it's the it starts off very um, with the right intentions. Mm-hmm. The words that he used, right, or you used, somebody used was calculated move, right? Mm-hmm. It was the idea of obliterating native people's customs and beliefs. Oh my goodness, why would we ever do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, infiltrating versus conquering. Why would I mean, that? Oh my goodness, we wouldn't want to be a conquerors, right? Mm-hmm. And so it it starts off with this perspective, you know, and then and then it moves towards um, syncretism, which is kind of this blending of of watering down of, of what really is truth, and and it's a challenge because then all of a sudden the church is not distinct, it's and true, different than culture. So I so appreciate it. Um, John Piper's comments around, um, you know, we want to be biblical in our thinking, and we want to be uh, focused on truth in our thinking. But then again, it's the issue of like, how do, how does that like smash up against culture, and how do we navigate that as 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 believers? I think that's the key question. Right. In the world, not of the world. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. And believe me, syncretism in in, in Africa is. Has um, 
and I'll suggest lots of cultures, has has overtaken the church. And and now they believe things that certainly are not true whatsoever. And and, it, and to your point of, of the children taking on what they've been taught without asking a lot of questions, it, it has a ramification of, of ongoing believing just because this is the way it is, as opposed to coming back and anchoring in the truth of the Word of God. It's, it, it's scary to see what one generation and then two generations can end up believing because of. Um, it's yeah. like in Deuteronomy here, if God were to say, when you come into the land, I want you just to kind of live alongside them and show them what you do. Right. He doesn't say that. He says, right. stay clean and out. Yeah, I mean. Sure. Yeah, the, the uh, dilution of, of, the, of the religion becomes the issue. Is yes, it how, how, exactly. how much are we diluting the uh, religion every time we do this? Yes, Paul. See, um, one of the hot topics nowadays is um, homosexuality and um, preventing them to go into openly into the armed forces or uh, into even clergymen or women. Mm-hmm. And uh, such as that. Okay. How much are we diluting there? I think I think it's really important for us to just to build on that is is figure out how to navigate this because right. we can do it with anger and with you know beat people over the head with truth or we can do it with absolute grace. Absolutely. And and right. I think that's the difference in this whole thing. Right. Is, is how do we navigate that to be distinct and different? Hold the truth, but yet love one and love you know them. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's let's move on to another question here, if we can. Um, the second question that we you would have been discussing was, do you believe Halloween to be evil? Why or why not? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Especially after we've discussed things. Yeah, our group thought at its at its root, it does celebrate evil. But these little children that are coming around to trick or treat, they're not evil in any way that we can see in that. But also, there's probably practices of the occult. Sure. You know, witches, covens, the black cat deal. Sure. All of that sort of thing does happen. Absolutely. And uh, even these scary movies that they have out now, they just can't get scary enough. They just keep getting worse and worse. Yes. That's another practice that well, there definitely is evil in the environment. I mean, and uh, uh, how you let that evil influence you, and and how involved you are with that evil, I think once again becomes this line that was Christians were trying to navigate, try to walk, and how do we keep out of the evil and make it a holiday that is about the kids and giving them candy, if that's what it's all about, but. Uh, can be difficult. Can be difficult. Any other thoughts, Kyle? I think there's some. We have to be careful, of like what I would call in logic, a genetic fallacy, which would be to argue against something based on where it comes from. Um, we know that Halloween is based on some level or multiple levels based on something that is essentially celebrating wickedness. Yes. Um, I think this is a helpful distinction because when I was eight years old, dressed like a piece of pizza, I don't think I was worshiping anything in the 80s that I was aware of. And so we have to make sure that we're differentiating between, like, let's say, is Halloween of the historical period up to, like, say, consumer, consumerist American 1935, 
is Halloween post-1935 evil. And you could still say yes, if only because it is entirely a holiday based off consumerism, right? And so I did see an infographic for a blog, I think over the last couple weeks, and that we spend... Um, it's about three billion. Three billion dollars, I think, every year. Yeah. We would cut that more than in half if we if children traded Halloween costumes instead of bought new ones every year. There you go. And um, garbage. It's really interesting. Like I'm not normally one to be a green freak, but we produce like five billion tons of garbage post Halloween, and we would only produce like one billion if people traded Halloween costumes instead of threw them away every year. There you go. So like, if you want to talk about like the evil of Halloween mm-hmm. in 2011, I think it's more profitable about consumerism mm-hmm. um, than it is to talk, and like I was in Target yesterday and it's like what, like eight aisles of Halloween business, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a little different and I think there are pagan elements um, at play, like in the forests of Northeast Ohio where I grew up, like people would, that was going on and mm-hmm. I had friends in high school that did that and so, but I think it's a differentiate between those kinds of Halloween, I guess, on some level. It is the second biggest consumer holiday of the uh, of in the United States of the year after Christmas. Uh, after Christmas yes, yes, Mark. It's just some of the gruesomeness of the costumes that are out there nowadays too. But they, uh, yeah, that's it. Some of them are just they've evolved into some of the horror movies and the uh, the the mask and the costumes from things that you know even today's. Uh, thinking would be evil. I mean, and some of these things are just, you know, sort of uh, glorifying or personifying uh, the, you know, chainsaw massacres or some of these things are just, you know, gory and and uh, just not right, you know, just some of the things that they do. So, yeah, some of these costumes can be, uh, you know, have the connotations or the uh, can be looked upon as evil in and of themselves, I think. Yes. And maybe kind of going off of what Kyle had said, but as someone who works with college students, one of the things I think um, in this age is concerning is just women and how they dress up. And it's actually not about the evil, but the inappropriate and kind of an excuse to dress inappropriately and flaunt themselves in a way that is just not according right. to them or the Lord. And so I think that's almost more concerning in some ways than even the scary stuff. It's just, it's another excuse to misbehave in a different way. Sure. And the issue of stewardship comes up too. You know, I, I, I'm shocked at, at the amount of people that decorate their homes for Halloween. Oh, sure. I mean, it's really giving Christmas a good run. Yeah. More and more. Oh, yeah. The money that's spent with decorations and all the stuff in the yard, and then just buying the candy and the costumes, you're probably you're probably coming pretty close to spending what people would typically spend on Christmas. It probably isn't too far behind it. Well, anyway, that's any other thoughts, George? Well, I think probably all of us in this room at one time or another have been to Disney World and gone through the haunted house. You know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously it's well done technically and everything like that, but the real theme there is, you know, people dying and going off into eternity and, you know, and it looks good and, you know, and so on, but, um, you know, but the theme there is really death and dying and being 
gone or, you know, coming to a, um, you know, an unfortunate end or something to that effect. And so, you know, Hollywood and, you know, Disney World and so on turn those type of things into something that's entertaining and, you know, and, and right. people really enjoy that. Sure. Sure. Yes, ma'am. The uh, church I was a member of um, a few years ago, um, they did for Halloween uh, the reenactment of what hell was according to scriptures. Mm-hmm. And that scared the children in a good way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, there's a place I don't want to go to. Right, right. So it was a teaching moment, I thought. And I think Halloween can be used as a teaching moment if it's done correctly, especially as Christians. We should be looking at Halloween as a way to teach our kids. Uh, yeah. Yes? Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear that there are some inappropriate ways we can celebrate Halloween. Uh, but I think there are also some ways that are completely benign. Mm-hmm. We can dress up in non-demonic or non-threatening costumes. Mm-hmm. Kids getting candy, unless you're a dentist. But I think we have a bigger problem in, in this culture where we've done the same thing to, to Christmas and Easter, where we celebrate in what is frankly a Christian holiday, and uh, Halloween you know, may have been co-opted partially by the Catholic Church, but mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, it's not a biblical holiday. It's not. not at all. Right. Um, it doesn't celebrate anything in the Bible. It was a pagan holiday. It was co-opted by the Catholic Church. Um, but it's not biblical in origin in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Christmas and Easter are, and the way they're celebrated in this culture, I think is totally inappropriate. Okay. If you drive down you know, any block in America and you look at the Christmas decorations... Nine out of ten, winter, Santa Claus. Every once in a while, you'll you'll you'll, you'll see a crash, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe ten percent. Um, Easter bunnies, candy. Um, yeah. I don't even like the name Easter because it comes from the Babylonian goddess of fertility, Ishtar. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, as far as I'm sure, it's Resurrection Day period. Yeah. Well, that's um, uh, here again. Getting and, back to. <laughs> and these are these are biblical holidays. Right. That, that I think we're. We, we tend to celebrate in inappropriate manners, and to me, Halloween is, uh, why are we even arguing about it? Well, as long as we celebrate in a, in, a, in a benign manner. I guess as Christians, we could really get right back to it. We could say, instead of Halloween, we're going to celebrate Reformation Day. Thank you. There you go. And uh, There you go. Because yeah, it's, uh, what is it, 1517, I think? I have Google. There you go. Yes, uh, uh, when he uh, nailed the uh, thesis on the uh, door of the Catholic Church, so yeah, we could we could be so. What's that? It's no commissions for that that, that book that book plug. But I do want to push the name of trust. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs>
Yes, the young lady with her hand up. <laughs> That's right. I suppose, you know, when you just come down to it, it's really as individuals, as Christians, we have to look at it, because we may be spouses and whatever, but individually, and especially with our children, you know, because like he said, this isn't going away. It's like the gay thing. It's not going away, okay? Uh, it's abortion. It's not going away. And, um, you know, we have to be careful not to be desensitized by it. Because, yeah, we are in the world, don't be, the other world, but not in it. Because you're like bombarded, if you watch TV, you're bombarded with, I mean, every TCL, whatever it's called, they're just throwing so much, um, you know, whatever, Friday 13th, whatever, junk at not just us, the kids. And um, it's a great time to make a dialogue and not just assume, but just hide underneath the table. Because we don't do that, because I do know Christians that do that, that just, you know, and I know what art is saying. But we have holidays like Lincoln's birthday and stuff like that. And as Christians, it's our responsibility starts at home. Mm-hmm. And to tell our kids, because you're absolutely right, it's the next generation and see what, what's going on with that next generation, our next, my next generation. Right. And being able to, you know, Jeff had sat down and he's just like, well, what do you think? I go trick-or-treating all the time. And, um, and it is that diet, what do you think? What do you, open your word, let's really dialogue about this. This is a great opportunity for that. But we need to not be desensitized because these things are coming and we can kind of like get caught up in them ourselves, you know. And right. children get caught up in them and we just kind of like, well, this is what I believe but our kids may go out the door, and I know some kids that their parents, you are not going to celebrate Halloween. Okay, Mom and Dad, well, I'm going to see you. And they, they've got their costume in the backpack, because they ain't going to be no weirdo going to school with no costume, okay? Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to, you know, these kids have to find their own conviction of what they believe and why they believe what they believe. And it starts here. It starts at the yeah, definitely gets back to communicating with your uh, family and your kids. It's uh, it's important. I give out uh, Christian tracts along with the candy, mm-hmm. and, you know, a box of raisins, something healthy. You don't have sure. to give up junk. Good, good. Well, let's go on to the next question here. As Christians, can we celebrate Halloween? Why or why not? Hopefully you've got some idea of, you know, the, the reason why you could or could. That, that might be a little that might be a little off, yeah. Yeah. Doing time wise. Uh, okay. I think we both we, is there any other thoughts on that question? I personally struggle with Christianizing a holiday. That's just my opinion, because I, I go back to this Deuteronomy verse, and then I, I, and of course I go to this First Corinthians verse, and I say, okay, well, when God commanded the, the Israelites in Deuteronomy, that was a commandment, that was a law that they had to follow. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, in First Corinthians, it's, it's not lawful, but it's helpful. And so I, I take that as a personal, um, a personal thing as I live here in this foreign world. Uh, it's not my home. How am I going to be in the world and not of the world? How am I going to be that beacon of light 
for those around me. And so I struggle when it comes to, you know, what they used to dress up um, for purposes of demons and ghosts. Why would I tell my kid it's okay to do it as a butterfly? I mean, I struggle with that. To me, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense as to, well, you know, that's okay because it's not a demon or a ghost. But the original practice was a demon or a ghost. And that's where I, if, if the original practice was an issue, why can't you dress up on a butterfly on October 30th? Why has it got to be on the 31st? Why has it got to be on this day that was originally celebrated as a pagan holiday? So I struggle. I struggle with Christmas and the fact that, you know, it was original. I, I, it really infuriates me when I hear people say, don't say happy holidays, say Merry Christmas. Well, why? It's not ours. It was. It was. It belonged to the Vikings before it belonged to Christianity. They used to celebrate, you know, the winter solstice. And, and the Druids, the same thing. They, they would celebrate their way. And, and that's, you know, the Christmas tree came from the Norse and... So, I mean, and, and it wasn't a Christian holiday until we decided to take it over, and now we got to say, you've got to call it Christmas? I mean, I kind of struggle with all that. So that's, that's the other side of the fence. Yes? Uh, the verse that I would quote would be, uh, um, whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all to the glory of God. So is it going to glorify God or not? Mm-hmm. Good point, Paul. Nancy. Is it really wrong for a, a young child to preschool age, whatever, to dress up as a superhero, like Spider-Man yeah. example? That's what we that's what we're just talking about because I I I think it's hard to come down real hard right or wrong on the, on this issue. I think personally, I think it is. It's hard to really stamp it as this is absolutely. Uh, Sinful, and that we shouldn't do this as a Christian. Uh, but it's you know things you need to think about. Things we have to think about with our kids about you know communicating and, and letting them know that this holiday a, could be uh, a bad thing if it's not uh, done in the in the right way potentially. The uh, struggle is not that they're dressing up as a superhero; it's that they're dressing up as a superhero only on this day. You know, what, what? Why only this day? Well, because of the roots. Because there's lots of candy. <laughs> if you do it on the 30th, there's no candy.
did have that opportunity because her guard was down because she was willing, okay, you're another parent, but if I went up to her and said, you wicked person, I mean, believe me, it's, there is, I mean, it's, we have to remember, we have a great example, and that's Christ. That's right. He has gone to those prostitutes and tax collectors, whenever, oh, what terrible people, and he went to them, and that's why the Pharisees, we have to be really careful to make ourselves just like, oh, we're just so high gluten. Because we all come in here broken. We're all people that have a need. And that was Christ. And and we should show that grace to others. And be really, you know, deliberate would be the word about how we go about speaking to people. Because they're not where we're at. Absolutely. So, you know, all right, let's, uh, unless there's other comments. Any other comments? We'll move on to the next question for the sake of time here. Um, how do you navigate responding to your neighborhood children coming to your house, uh, to your door for candy, and uh, why? You know, I think, yes, George. Well, you know, I look at it as um, this is the one time a year where my neighbors actually come to my door. There you go. <laughs> if, I went, if I went to their door, and maybe as a representative of the church, I might, I might get nowhere. They might close the door on me. But, but this is the one time that they actually, all my neighbors come to my door. And, and I, want to, I want them to establish in their mind, this is a safe place to come, you know, because a lot of people in my neighborhood, especially my next-door neighbor, he doesn't go anywhere near his door. He doesn't want the kids or anything, but I do. And, uh, and so I, I do give tracts, and I, have a, I make out labels. I put Village Church of Bartlett on the back. I stick it on each track. And I go out on the porch, and I try to, because none of the kids come without their parents anymore, except right. later when the high school kids start coming. But, but I, try to, I, I try to engage in conversation with them. I try to, you know, the kids, when they come to the door, I ask every single one of them, what is your costume? And make them explain a little bit. You know, and then my wife doesn't like it, but I always give double candy so that they look at it and say, oh, this is a nice family here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so we run out faster than we're supposed to. But, uh-huh. but you know, um, I, I just want that the neighbors to assume that, you know, so that, that um, you know, they know what kind of family is, is living uh, here down the street from them. And so I, I just, I really look forward to it, actually. And it can be an excellent opportunity to, to communicate with your people, with the neighbors that you really don't see. I mean, we live in, we live in a society now where only opportunities like this, you could, you could live most of your life. And there's neighbors that are very close to me that I probably never spoke to. Um, and this gives the opportunity at least to maybe at least have some words to have to say to them. So, Absolutely. Any other comments on that? I grew up with a Catholic home, and um, I forgot what page it was on, but it sounds as though the Catholics are not Christians. And uh, I take exception to that because I've always been a Christian mm-hmm. from day one. No, I don't think you should... Uh, uh, Read in anything into that? I think I think there are Catholics that aren't Christians, uh, but I think there are Catholics that are Christians as well. I think there are it's evangelicals pretending to be. Christians. You could say that as well, absolutely. So, uh, 
uh, sometimes I mean, we could, we're not going to get into it, but you could get into some of the practices that the Catholic Church has uh, uh, issued and mandated over the years and how biblically based they are. And this may be another instance with Halloween where you know they've merged in with the culture and, and actually their, their actual festival or their day of, for remembering martyrs, you know, is it actually a biblical mandate? Should they actually have been doing that in the first place? You could you could have a discussion on that as well. Um, you know, um, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, lastly, what are some ways we might use Halloween's to be lights in the world? George has just brought out an excellent way that we can uh, uh, communicate with our neighbors. Um, a very good example. Any others? Nowadays they have, uh, I was telling one of these if you go to Family Christian Bookstore, they have like the candy now that has like the verses, or the candy looks like, looks like a Babe Ruth, but it's actually got a Christian verse on it or something like that. So you can get really creative and just, or like some people, like I said, some people don't want to get involved in that's okay. And they actually have things in the church that the kids will invite their friends, because we're having, I mean, now that the churches are doing what's called trucker treating or something like that, and the parents of their neighbors, the little guys that don't feel safe, it's an opportunity to, because we have to look at it as an opportunity to bring Christ to a lost world. Absolutely. And where they're at. You know, and so, I mean, it really is an opportunity because um, wherever we're at, because we are, they'll be in the of the world, be of the world, but not in Absolutely. So dress as uh, Old Testament. Uh, yeah. And they could. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can music be a way of ministry, too. Um, during happy hour, I usually play a couple of inspirational songs, and um, one time... I chose um, a couple of songs that were uh, about the future life, and two people died that week. But I chose those beforehand. Very good, Paul. I mean, that sometimes might influence people in ways we never know. That's correct. Well, hopefully. Is there any other thoughts or any other burning questions that anyone has? Well, hopefully... Absolutely. Can't go wrong by praying. 
All right. Um, hopefully, you've pro- you're going away with some insights on Halloween and some thoughts. And uh, uh, like I said, this is not a salvation issue, so we weren't here to offend anyone. Uh, we're here, uh, here just simply to give you insights into you know some of the beliefs that that uh, we have and as as a church or could have um, individually uh, about the uh, holiday of Halloween, if we're going to call it a holiday. Um, so. That being said, uh, let's close in prayer, and uh, we'll continue on. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who created light and darkness, and uh, we know that your hand is in these matters that we sometimes don't understand or don't know the reason behind. We would ask that we would be lights to the world, the lost world, Father, that we could um, uh, be a hand reaching out uh, to a people that desires and needs to know you, Lord. We just ask that during this holiday season we would be able to share your, your words and uh, your ways uh, with our community and with the people that uh, need to know you so much. And we ask that you would go before us this day and the days ahead uh, and uh, give us strength and protection in the things that, that we do. In Christ's name we pray.